Hey yo, you ready? Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Jocks and Docs Show! Welcome Woo. back, ladies and gentlemen. This is a brand new edition, a brand new podcast of the Jocks and Docs Show. And as always, I am your host, Simon Collard, and I am joined by my two amigos, my two friends, my two amigos. compadres, amigos. My, the other two amigos, uh, Dr. Usad Khalid. Who was recently so, a birthday so. boy seven days ago? So happy seven birthday days. to you! We'll let him be the Quavo because of sixteen Amigos days ago. Yeah, your Quavo. Sixteen days ago. Sorry, not seven. Uh, August seventh, yeah, but happy birthday! Um, yep. And to a newly moved uh, and newly or soon to be appointed lawyer, Aditya uh, Patel. How's New York treating you? How was the move? Let our viewers know. It's a nice city. I don't know how y'all do it. I want to go back to Texas with green grass and wonderful weather. But it's the city of dreams, and we're dreaming big on this podcast, too. Got a big season ahead of us. Houston Texans championship ahead of us. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. And uh, as Adi is alluding to, fantasy football and the football season is upon us. Um, I know I have my draft in, like, two weeks or so, but um, this podcast is going to be dedicated to the fantasy football season. You know, that's our bread and butter. But before we get into that, you know, we got to plug our media content. So uh, please first, you know, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever podcast app you use. Uh, give us five-star rating and let us know, you know, how much you love our show with a with a rating, with a, with a comment, um, you know, comment anything. We want your opinions and your love, so give us that. Also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Jocks and Docs, J-O-C-S-A-N-D-D-O-C-S. Um, we're probably going to be posting more uh, snippets and uh, uh, clips of probably of us talking and giving us his injury updates. Um, so look out for new media content and um, new Photoshop pictures of us uh, that I like. To yeah, make. we're, we're, we're going to put a lot of us out there. Like if, 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 if we're eating then us is our Ezekiel Elliott. You know what I'm exactly. saying? We're gonna feed, feed that boy. Feed that exactly. boy. And we like to think we're his offensive line, but me and Adi are banged up right now a little bit. You know, we just took the bar a few months ago. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully us can carry us like Zeke does the Cowboys. Actually, hopefully not because we're Texans fans, but. Put the team on my back, though. Put the team on his back. Yeah, so, uh, and then speaking of content, you know, we, we did put up our website um, and. You know, we haven't been putting out any, like, articles or podcasts lately just because you know, we've been very busy with work and moving and, you know, the bar and finding a job and all this other stuff. So hopefully uh, in the near future we'll be putting out more content, more podcasts, more things you like to hear um, in the upcoming weeks. But with that, let's transition into fantasy football. And uh, I feel like we need a round of applause. Can I, can I get some, some clapping, guys? No, I think okay. you got some, bro. For myself, anyway. Yep. Um, I go. I golf clapped. That's why you couldn't hear it. He golf clapped. Yes. So let's move in um, to the most important position, in my opinion, uh, of fantasy football, and that's the running back. Um, and 
we uh, are a dedicated injury podcast, so I think first and foremost, we should talk about some running back injuries, um, some basics first, and then get into specific players for us to talk about, uh, because that's what you guys want to hear. Um, and we'll give you some outlooks and some injury outlooks on your favorite players. So uh, I just wanted to get into a general breakdown first of running back injuries. Uh, so Asa, I'm going to throw this to you, uh, obviously, because you're our doctor. But what are the most common injuries that a running back will see? Uh, and what... Is the what are the what are the injuries we should be looking out for as fans that should be worrying us when we're drafting our players? So the running back is a special position because these guys take collisions every time they touch the ball. Basically, these guys are getting hit left and right. They take a lot of damage. So running back being a premium in fantasy football, just because of the the position, the scarcity, uh, can be very dangerous. Which was why you'll see some people go zero running back in their draft strategies or go wide receiver first um, you know different things like that but as far as injuries goes outside of you know the the common season enders like acl tears or knee injuries uh soft tissue injuries are really the ones that you have to worry about so we're talking hamstring strains we're talking calf strains um quad injuries those those are the ones that can linger and can cause you know a three to four week absence in the middle of the season and when they come back they're still at risk for re-injuring it again um, those are the ones you really want to watch out for. As far as easier types of injuries, because they get hit a lot, uh, bone bruises, or not, not really bone bruises, but uh, muscle contusions, basically deep bruises, are the ones that are, are usually a good sign. Um, MCL sprains can be anywhere from one to two weeks to five to six weeks, so that just depends on the, the severity of the strain. But but really, the bruises are the easiest types, unless you're talking about a bone bruise. So a bone bruise can be a, bru- a bruise deep in the bone that can affect cartilage if it uh, becomes an issue. So you'll see those kind of injuries. You'll see players with bone bruises rested for multiple weeks just to prevent any further damage. Uh, and at that point, if you if you see bone bruise, you better be preparing for uh, you know a multi a multi week absence. And recently in the news, uh, I think throughout the preseason, it's been a- pretty big deal but we have a new helmet rule um with both defensive i think defensive players getting penalized more but uh uh, kind of eliminating the um lowering of the helmet to initiate contact which is uh i guess particularly important for a running back um i mean running backs do they suffer number one do they suffer from a lot of concussions uh and number two does that tend to keep them out uh for long periods of time and oh very three, much so and number three how do you think the helmet rule um and i guess this new adjustment will help running backs stay healthier for longer so i'll speak to the first two questions uh, running backs are at high risk of concussion and a concussion is the same for a running back as it is for a linebacker as it is for a punter once you get a concussion you enter the concussion protocol and uh you know it could be anywhere from one week to multiple weeks depending on the severity of the concussion but Running backs put every every time a running back touches the ball, they are in danger of an injury just from the nature of their uh, their position. So yeah, concussions are a big deal for for running backs. But uh, once they get it, it's just like any other player. And uh, Adi, do you have any opinions? You know, we're talking about the new helmet rule. 
Do you have any opinions on, on what it's doing to the preseason? I mean, what it's doing to football? I, I mean, I have some opinions. I think a lot of defensive players, uh, former defensive players, are totally outspoken against it. But, I mean, there's obviously the safety issue uh, that's prevalent in the NFL and youth football. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an interesting rule change, but I want to hear your perspective. Uh, yeah, I think um, the problem is with this issue is that we can all have build a consensus that something needs to change. However, no matter what that something is, uh, you're going to fa- get you know blowback from whichever side feels aggrieved. And traditionally, the way it goes in sports, not just football, all sports, I think we can all agree, is that when rule changes happen and things have to go, it always favors offense over defense. Right, like they're like it's what the people pay the bucks to see. I, I as a former you know defensive player, I totally understand. I even used to always take the other side, but at the end of the day, we can't harp and claim that this league is doing nothing for player safety. And as it tries to do things, just because it necessarily doesn't work out perfectly, uh, at the same time say like, oh you're punishing the defensive player. Well, yeah, we're punishing the defensive player. Um, the offensive player nine out of ten times is not the one you know initiating the contact so of course it's just the way it goes and it sucks that you know defenders are going to have to be smarter but I think we've seen with several teams I mean maybe not last year but you know with the Seahawks and you know other defenses there's you can still be a dominant defense so um yeah, I, I, it's they can complain all they want, but I, if I'm if I'm seeing the league take active steps to improve player safety and long term health, so what? Then these are these are the consequences, and even if it doesn't work, they shouldn't allow that. Meaning, doesn't work is such a you know loaded statement in itself, but just because it doesn't like you know automatically save uh let's say 50 percent of concussions in one year doesn't mean they should abandon it they should keep evolving and trying to change things and do better because that means that they're caring and they're doing it and that's just how i feel about that how do you feel about the sentiment that um i I feel like a lot of like a lot of former players a lot of like people proponents against these types of rules always say uh they always throw out these like these adages uh like this is becoming flag football. This isn't even becoming football anymore. Do you think there's a danger of you know football not being football? No, not at all. No, because look, so this is like, I mean, I, I usually refer to this in politics, but even with sports history, every generation likes to think that, for example, every election, you're going to hear every politician tell you this is the most important election of your lifetime. At some point, one election is not the most important election of your lifetime, right? And that's the same thing with football. When people say this is not football, this is not football. Well, do you know what football was in the late 1800s and early 1900s? Football was a very violent, bloody sport that often led to deaths on the field. Like, you're talking Princeton, 19-year-old boys would die, you know, playing Harvard. (laughs) So football has clearly changed from then, right? Football has clearly changed from when we're drop-kicking punts to punting. Football has changed with the way positions and throwing, right? Like, you know, since the 60s and 70s. It's not just, you know, uh, what do you call uh, three yards and a cloud of dust. Uh, football evolves. That's the nature of the sport. And anybody that says that is just living in the past. And I understand the sentiment. I get it. You know, your whole life you're trained to do a certain thing. And now you got to change it. And a lot of the people like us who are not professionals or, you know, don't do what you do to get paid for what you have to feed your family with, 
come in and weigh in with their opinions. However, at the end of the day, you know, this is about player safety. And uh, if, if this is this is what football's evolving to. And they can't deny that both on a business angle and on a youth development angle, there's severe problems with the game of football moving forward. I freaking love football. We all love football. I have a very hard time believing that I'm going to allow my children to play football. I don't want to go all Barack Obama on everybody. But, like, you know, it's it's like I, I can even say the same for soccer to a certain extent because soccer just has gross incompetence with their concussion protocol. But, like, at least with football, it's it's tough, man, because you're not just talking about concussions. You're talking about chop locks, chips. You know, there's all sorts of things that can injure your body. And so, okay, so maybe you you won't have, uh, you know, brain, uh, def, def, you know, deformations in your brain or something like that. But, like, not having a hip and having a replaced hip can significantly alter the quality of your life for 30 years. So, again, this is about player safety. This is still football. This is becoming a better football. Let's call it football 4.0 or whatever you want to call it. But it's still football. Yeah, we were we were talking about this in our group chat. Uh, I think a few weeks ago, and I've been talking to some uh, like you know football football friends, uh, fans, football fan friends, uh, kind of about um, just like general culture of football, and and it brings an interesting point recently of you know what happened with Jordan McNair at uh, the University of Maryland, um, and just kind of how this culture is 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 always. Um, this culture is just continued and continued throughout generations and generations until we make a change. Student athletes and athletes are going to suffer uh, as a result, and it's you know it's never the it's never the players who are doing it. It's always the coaches who are enforcing it. And I think I just wanted to get uh, a little bit more perspective on the Jordan McNair situation as we're talking about player safety from Usad. Um, I mean, I think you probably have more perspective on it from a medical standpoint. Before before Asa talks, I just wanted to say one specific statistic about this. <clears throat> I forgot the exact number, but it's something like in the last 20-something years, 27 college football players have died through exhaustion or various you know injuries related to training camp, and zero professional NFL players have died. So zero, prof- you know, so <clears throat> I just want us to remember that statistic when we, when we you know, because especially on the backdrop of the amateurism and NCAA conversation is like not only are you paying these kids, you're literally killing them. So anyway. <laughs> sure, yeah. And this has nothing to do with running backs, but it is an interesting conversation from a medical standpoint and kind of a cultural standpoint of how we uh, – how we need to further football um, and eliminate the, these, you know, toxic things that end up to death or injury. Yeah. So let me let me start by saying, in today's modern, in, the, in today's age of medicine, no player should ever. I don't care where you are, elementary school to the professional level, there no player should ever die of heat stroke, ever. And there, that's just the bottom line. The, the way we live, heat stroke is easily identifiable. It's very easy to pull a player out of practice and get them the treatment that they need. And for a 19-year-old player and at the college level to die of heat stroke is an atrocity. And I'm, I'm usually the last one to blame athletic trainers or staff. But when a player dies from something that's likely preventable, that's, where the play, that, that's, what, that's what your job is. Your job is not to, to treat – your job – Ultimately, your job is to keep these players healthy and alive. 
right? That trumps anything. An ACL tear, fine, you can recover from an ACL tear. But as, as far as life and death, that is your ultimate responsibility for these players, and they entrust you with that responsibility. That will give, that's what gives you your unique position in this world and in your professional life. So for Maryland athletic training staff to, to not be able to identify this, and you know, I, I, we, we don't know the specifics of what went on, um, but ultimately it falls on the training staff. That, that is the ultimate responsibility of those people. So with that being said, uh, it, you know, looking at reports, it, there's some reports that he had a seizure on the field before they called 911 or you know, he, was, he was exhausted, hyperventilating, unable to control his breath. Those are all signs that, is especially, especially if a player co- collapses and starts convulsing, then that, that is a sign to get them out of practice. This is practice. I mean, I don't want to be Allen Iverson, but that's practice we're talking about. He showed up to the hospital with a temperature of 106 degrees, meaning that, you know, they even if they identified it, maybe they didn't properly diagnose it, but their first step should have been to cool this man down. You should never show up to the hospital at 106 degrees. Wait, are you telling me that after he has already been transported to the hospital and then they took his temperature at the hospital, he was still 106 degrees? Yes. That's insane. Like, yeah, is it, it like, is, aren't you trained, like, to, to cool absolutely. him down? like? Like, Absolutely. I remember that from high school, even. Like, if someone's, you know, like, you have, there's so many ways to cool you down. Uh, whatever. That's just ridiculous. Sorry. I just had it. That just shocked me. That's, I don't know if the average, can you explain to the average listener just what it takes for the human body to be 106 degrees? That's not like through a fever or something like that. The problem with heat stroke, we all of our bodies heat up. If, we, if you, me, and Amon go stand outside in the 102 degree Houston sun for three hours, our bodies will heat up. But our bodies have control mechanisms to cool back down. Sweating is a big one. When you lose the ability to to control your own temperature, that is when you get heat stroke. So essentially, his his body was unable to overcome the heat that it was generating, and that's why his temperature went to that extreme degree. Now, uh, I'm getting most of this uh, from an ESPN article on on uh, Jordan McNair. So, uh, if if you know any of these claims or that sound outrageous this is i'm getting it straight from espn here um and, and, and before it, you it, move on uh i just want to say our condolences obviously to the mcnair family and, and to jordan mcnair i mean it's a tragic situation and you know we're talking about the death of a, a kid basically so it's tragic but go ahead go ahead it's absolutely tragic and i think it should never have happened and that's why you know i get worked up about stuff like this because there's there's an it, people people keep t- mentioning this unexplained hour so there's a the time of his seizure and hyperventilation that was observed by a coach, and then there was an hour before EMS was actually called. So we don't know what happened in that hour. But if a player is seizing on the field, and any athletic trainer would would pull them, I I, I find it very difficult to believe that, especially a college level athletic training staff would not be able to properly diagnose and treat this. So uh, it's like I said, we don't have all the details. But the, the responsibility ultimately falls on the training staff. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and we can't sit here and you know assume things, but uh, you know that, that that's a crucial hour. It's a crucial time, and I mean we need more answers. Uh, and I think the University of Maryland deserves. Uh, I mean, is obligated. I mean, I have I, I have a couple like uh, you know not asked for nuggets here, but. First of all, University of Maryland college football program is terrible. They have 
ridiculous amounts of Under Armour money. I, I don't know if you guys are aware of that. They're basically like Nike. Jerseys. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Jerseys. Not only that, though. No, no. But the actual home of Under Armour, like the corporate headquarters, is in the area of Maryland. And they've like kind of taken that university under their wing the same way Nike has done with uh, Oregon. And my question is, they have these tens of millions of dollars. And this, again, is relevant to all these programs. But why aren't these sort of, uh, I guess, paramedics or EMS techs or whatever the hell they are supposed to be, why isn't there enough to save a life there as well? Secondarily, College Park is in Washington, D.C. It's right out. It's literally like, you know, less than a mile or two from the border of Washington, D.C. There's world-class hospitals within 15 minutes in every direction. Like just the whole thing just screams of ineptitude. So I really hope that my major takeaway from this is like, first of all, you're not like, you know, this isn't Urban Meyer here who's going to who's a Teflon Don. Like, people's heads need to roll for this. Like, well, we need I'm, to see I'm sure they will. Go. Yeah. I'm sure there's already reports that the athletic, many members of the training staff have been put on administrative leave until there's an internal or a, some, some sort of investigation of what happened. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I find it very hard to believe that the. The, the trainers would not be able to diagnose it. So I, you know, I, I don't want to speculate on what the details were. But it's like I said, the bottom line is a 19-year-old kid has lost his life because of something that should be preventable and treatable. Sure. And uh, again, our condolences to the McNair family. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. You, but, you know, when you, when you give your kid to a college football program, you're entrusting that coach with the development. I mean, I know it's a lot of lip service and stuff, but for example, when your kid's going to play football for University of Maryland, you're pretty much under the assumption that they're probably not going to make the NFL draft, okay? When you're giving your kid to a coach, that is, I don't it's just so horrific. I feel so bad for his family because that's the coach's responsibility. And that's why I feel like even if, you know, whenever the details, whatever the, the way they shake down, someone important, even if it wasn't intentional, because of course it wasn't intentional, but it, the, the the head's got to roll from the top, in my opinion. Like I like you said, I know some of the training staff uh, were, were put on administrative leave. I need to see the coach go. I need to see the AD go, or something like that, to for me to feel like they have taken this seriously. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is the most tragic situation in college football. I mean, what's happening to Urban Meyer is a disgrace, but I think this needs a little bit more publicity around it. Um, unfortunately, we're not talking about college football right now. We need to talk about fantasy football. Absolutely. Uh, let's, get, let's, let's get to more uh, positive developments. <laughs> so I want to I pose a question to you, Adi. Um, we're talking about generalities here for running backs. I also brought up some general injuries. Um, so let me throw this at you. What is the number one thing you look at when you're drafting a running back? Uh, definitely injury history. Uh, there's so many times where I've taken guys like Frank Gore two rounds above where they should be, but Frank Gore puts out. So I definitely, my number one thing I look for is an injury history. Sure. And uh, I think I'll just add on to that a little bit. Um, injuries obviously are huge, probably number one important uh, thing, volatility, injuries, recurring injuries, age, all that thing. Um, running. Yeah, I mean, you can, I mean, I mean, they're definitely, they're definitely like, for example, like if we're, if we're going to talk like, you know, do I have like particular favorite statistics? I think 
you know, with the way fantasy football is so saturated now, everybody knows that yards after catch are important or yards after contact are important, right? But I, I do feel like the most basic statistic, which is yards per carry, I, for some reason I still like that, that statistic. Like I just know when I see like a 3.9, like I, it doesn't matter if you're going to give this guy like, you know, he's going to have like one of those 27 carry, 85 yard, zero touchdown games, which is completely worthless to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, I'll just add on some, some more factors I, I include when I'm looking at running backs. Obviously, usage, touches, receptions, targets, rushing attempts, all that stuff. Um, I think touchdowns are a huge indicator and, and just kind of seeing how a player may regress uh, throughout his career. For example, if someone has you know, 12 touchdowns one year, but every other year he's putting up four touchdowns. Um, that that single year is probably an outlier. Uh, like you said, volatility. But also there's other, you know, outside factors outside of the running back, including offensive line, um, like we alluded to with Ezekiel Elliott, um, and offensive line injuries uh, that can, you know, hamper a running back. And, of course, uh, I think lastly, most important is taking a look at your league rules. So if it's you know PPR, um, look look at the running backs who are getting a lot of targets and a lot of receptions. Uh, if there's rushing attempts, look at the people who are getting high volume. But um, yeah, those are just you know a few general things I think I look at when I'm drafting running backs. But let's get into the meaty details, uh, the more important details. Let's talk about specific running back injuries. Um, so I'm going to stick right now in the first round, and I kind of wanted to start with a, uh, a pretty, um, pretty recent, pretty new injury. Uh, not that serious, but it could have some impact on where you draft him, especially because he's a rookie. Uh, Saquon Barkley, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's a hamstring injury. Uh, no, that's so correct. It's limited. It's limited him in preseason games. Uh, I think he was recently asked, and he he was cleared for individual practices. And I think mm-hmm. he was he recently was quoted saying, "My hamstring felt good to actually get to participate in, in indies a little bit in the practice drills. I'm feeling strong. I'll continue to strengthen it. The strength stra- staff and trainers have been doing a great job with me, conditioning me over there, getting me ready for the game, or the next time I'm able to play." So I said. When is the next time Saquon Barkley will be ready to play? I, I mean, he. So the issue here, I, I don't think he's going to be an issue for the regular season. But you have a very talented running back here who uh, is missing valuable preseason reps, and that's that's really the big problem, is uh, the the repetitions that he's missing in training camp and practice for a rookie. So, but you know, Saquon Barkley is extremely talented. I think they're gonna. Very, limit him pretty much in uh, the preseason to try to get this to uh, heal up, and so it's not an issue the rest of the year. Um, but I, I feel like week one, you you should probably probably see Saquon Barkley on the field. All right, and um, I'm pretty high on Saquon. I don't know about you, Ali, but Saquon to me has some David Johnson like potential. I mean, all you've heard about this guy is that you know best running back prospect we've basically seen in the past you know decade 15 years guy guy can catch he can you know run he can pass protect um where are you where's the highest you're willing to draft saquon barkley and um what what are your prospects on him so my heart definitely i would say i'll draft him number one 
If like meaning, I, I wouldn't personally draft him number one. But if somebody drafted him number one or number two, I'm not going to look at that person judgmentally. They just felt that you know they just felt a little stronger about Saquon. Um, <clears throat> however, the only you know obviously the only concern I have here is Eli Manning and the Giants have organizationally historically shown ineptitude in their effectiveness of using their running backs. I mean, even when they had thunder and lightning back in the day, they still should have used them more. Uh, I say this as someone who uh, has a lot of friends who live in New York. I live in New York now. I've been talking, you know, this week since I moved here. All, you know, it's like Saquon. Oh, before we li- get into li- this, hold on. Before we get into this, I have a, I have a more important question to ask you. Are you going to be a Giants fan or a Jets fan? Are you a Darnold or, or Saquon? Man, I think you know, Saquon's nice, man. Saquon's nice. I actually don't like the Giants at all. I mean, I hate both teams. I guess I'm going to root for, like, if I had to root for the two, I'd root for the Jets just because, like, rooting for the Giants is, like, selling my soul. It's like rooting for the Yankees. Like, if I rooted for the Mets, like, that's not selling my soul. Or if I rooted for the Nets, you know, that's not selling my soul. Yeah. I mean, rooting for the Knicks is not selling your soul either, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually signing up for a lot of pain, you know. But, but for example, like the Giants, I just can't do it. I'm sorry, but I'm. It, it just really pains me to say that I am super high on Saquon and like you know and that's keeping in mind that we all know that it's really bad you know running backs and I mean not in the fantasy sense in the NFL sense you shouldn't draft one in the top first round and and all all, all those this guy everything you said okay he, he's a blocks he catches he's got strength he's got maneuverability but most importantly most importantly he has it he he just like every time you turned on a game to watch him in college football and the situation was, you know, it's the critical part of the game. That's when he did his best, whatever he did, ridiculous runs or et cetera. So, yeah, I'm very high on him. I would not be surprised if he goes number one. I probably wouldn't draft him number one, but I would probably start seriously considering him after two. So three and three and after three. Yeah, and, and you're talking about that it factor. I mean, all I've ever heard about his intangibles and what people say about when they talk about him is how much they love the kid and how intelligent he is. I mean, I mean that's a that's that's a pretty bold take, though. Like one or two. I mean, would you would you take Barkley or Zeke right now? Well, here's the thing. Uh, the way I think about it is, first of all, I would I would take Zeke. I'm I'm sorry, but I would have to do that. But but the thing about the the thing about Saquon is if he hits. This kid, it's it's his versatility in the use of okay. So, it's really does, is Eli Manning just gonna give him his checkdowns? Because this guy, you can leave him in on third down. And so, if, yeah, he's a he's got a huge upside, right? But and, and if you got PPR league, I still think he's a tier below some other running back. So I mean, you said you take Zeke ahead, right? Would you take Barkley or Alvin Kamara? I actually have Alvin Kamara in my in my league, so uh, nobody cares about anyone's teams. But long story short, I got him for a fifteenth round keeper because he was my keeper that I got off the bench last year. But uh, I'll Kamara, say this about Alvin Kamara. I'll, uh, I'll take I, I have I have some 
I have uh, bust opinions about Alvin Kamara, and I was going to ask you guys this later, but we can talk about it right now. Um, nah, the thing but... is, the first four weeks, he has no Mark Ingram. He's yeah, always... exactly. He's, no Mark four Ingram. Weeks four weeks. Yeah, sure, four weeks. But I'm always thinking about the future, and I'm always thinking about who will help me in the playoffs. And Alvin Kamara, to me, just has a lot of question marks. First off, you know, he only had 120 touches uh, last year. And you, you look give him what four he weeks. did with him. You give him four weeks, yeah, sure. He did, yeah, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's an amazing player. I think he, you know, he could be one of those type of guys who are, you know, Le'Veon, Todd Gurley types who are just, you know, unstoppable no matter what. But, again, 120 touches. He had, like, a 4.9 yard per carry average, which I think is regression. I mean, I think he's he's more of a PPR guy. He, you know, he, he dominates uh, receiving more than rushing. Um, but I am not that high on Alvin Kamara. I think he might regress a little bit, especially on his touchdowns this year, um, which is why I have him right now. I'll release these rankings later, but I have him right now uh, running back nine. Fantasy Pros has his ADP at average of 6.1, and I have Saquon at running back six, and Saquon's ADP is at 6.4 right now. So they're about even um, on where they're drafted. But that, that's just my take on Alvin Kamara. I, I, um, I, I definitely see what you're saying because, like you said, it's really tough to see somebody. Uh, I mean, sophomore. There, there's a million factors. Sophomore slump. <clears throat> is Mark Ingram going to come back like a you know like a like the devil because he's already leveled up? Um, and also injuries. I think that Kamara definitely is a small guy, so he definitely has a potential for injuries. However, the other thing I see is that I don't really. He's going against the Bucks, Falcons, and uh, Panthers defense uh, for his division. I, I, I see him ripping them to shreds. So between that and the four games he had where he's basically the sole big dog, um, I, I don't think he's going to be a bust. I, 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 do, I, I would question drafting him in the first five picks, but uh, I think at worst he'll have second or third round value. Yeah, I think, I mean, solely based off how good of a player he is, I mean, I, I don't think he'll be stopped. But, I mean, keeping him, you know, just just from a, from like a, a running back philosophy, drafting philosophy standpoint, I always draft running backs in the first round who have high volume, which Alvin Kamara doesn't. Um, I mean, obviously he's a good runner, but he doesn't score a lot of touchdowns, and obviously he has Mark Ingram in the backfield. To, and there's just a lot of factors working against him, which is why I'm not that high on him. Um but we should move on to a different injury, uh, and we can talk about some more first-round running backs. But I actually wanted to get into uh, an injury that's going to keep out a rookie running back, another rookie running back for the whole season. Um, I kind of forgot exactly what the injury was. I think it's an ACL injury. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But Darius Geis, um, Asa, if you can walk us a little bit through what happened and just kind of general prognosis. Yeah, you know, it, it was it was an ACL injury, and the the hard part about it was when um, you heard conflicting reports the next morning. So after after that preseason game where uh, the injury happened, guys was pretty upbeat about it. So it's probably not going to be a factor. You heard that it could have been an MCL injury from the team. Uh, you know, that's a little a little weird because ACL injuries are pretty I want to say easy to diagnose, but they're reliably diagnosed, especially by experienced trainers and uh, physicians at the NFL level. So for it to to come out as an MCL injury, I'm not sure how that happened. But after the MRI, it 
it was reported as an ACL. So yeah, Darius Geis is going to have an ACL reconstruction, and uh, he should be 100% for next year. But you won't be seeing a promising rookie running back this year. Yeah, that's unfortunate. He had a lot of uh, you know a lot of talent in Washington, um, a lot of opportunity, and now it's uh, Rob Kelly and Samaje Piron's turn. And, uh, and Adrian Peterson. And Adrian Peterson cannot forget about um, the goat legend but uh let's move on to another injury um we were talking about uh first round running backs and i think this guy he got <laughs> i think you drafted him actually in our league last year number one i did i um, did and first week uh wrist injury and mm-hmm. usually those those injuries aren't you know we don't really see those injuries on running backs a lot or at least um keeping them out for a for a whole season uh you can again correct me if i'm wrong you're the doctor but um it was kind of an interesting injury uh, and i know you had a lot of opinions about it when we talked about it about a year ago um so what what are you feeling like with david johnson and how how high should we draft him you know that this was a tough injury for for david johnson last year there was a lot of thought that he might be able to make it back for fantasy playoffs so i shamelessly kept him on my roster because i thought he could uh, but, you know, I think with the combination of the Cardinals season kind of turning down, David Johnson being that franchise-type running back that they want to keep healthy is probably why you didn't see him. Uh, you know, if they were in the playoff hunt and or maybe in the playoffs, he, he probably could have pushed to, to return. So as far as this year goes, I, I wouldn't expect the risk to be to at all. He should be fully recovered. And uh, I, I have no problem drafting him in the top three running backs. Um. So you think he's fully healthy? I, I think I'm treating David Johnson like he is 100% recovered, good to go for this year. And you don't think, I mean, doesn't that warrant him being the first pick then? I mean, if you were able uh, to draft him last year, I, I, and I, I want to obviously no, take on this too, because I mean, it's obviously Le'Veon Todd or, or David yeah, Johnson. I say I, say I, have, I, I have no problem if you draft him uh, 1-1, but... I, I personally would probably put Bell and Gurley ahead of him, so just based what, on talent and team. What is the what is I mean the worst case scenario for David Johnson? The worst case scenario is a refracture in that risk, but the the risk of that is probably the same as any other injury at this point. I I'm treating the wrist as a non-issue this year. If it if he re-injures it, it it's a we, we would probably call that a freak accident. Um, and then another first round running back I wanted to talk about a little bit was Dalvin Cook, who had, you know, another early injury in the year last year. Um, and he was dominating, uh, at least rushing. I think he had like, uh, like 327 yards or something. His first four games, something crazy like that. So, uh, he had a pretty severe knee injury, um, how and and those do tend to hamper running backs quite a bit. So how are we feeling about Dalvin? So Cook? Dalvin Cook injured his uh, ACL in Week Four, and uh, yeah, it was you're right. It was a pretty significant ACL injury. Um, but I, I said this is this time of injury last year with with a near near full year to recover, maybe eleven months to recover. He should he should be full go. Um, obviously, after an ACL tear and a running back, the first year back they're usually not to 100% of where they should be. Uh, but with Dalvin Cook's talent and with the promising Vikings team there, I I think you can expect pretty good numbers out of Dalvin Cook this year. 
Adi, are you willing to draft Dalvin Cook um, in the first round? Yeah, <clears throat> I am. I, I, I think uh, plenty. I think the ACL injuries, you know, it's pretty normal now for many running backs to get it. And I think there's a good history of recovery. And I think it, it, all things given, if I would have drafted him without the ACL injury in the first round, then I should draft him with it. And I'm going to assume a full recovery. So, yes, I, I'm fully okay with that. Sure. Um, and, again, there's a lot of question marks on these first-round running backs. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Zeke. Um, and... I don't, and I'd, we've talked a little bit about Zeke, and Zeke doesn't have any running back uh, injury history right now, but his offensive line uh, has been known as you know one of the top offensive lines in the league. Could be down five offensive starters, um, starting with Travis Fed Frederick, uh, and so it does not pose well for um, for Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, uh, what is the most concerning? injury you see on that on that Dallas offensive line. Oh, it has to be Travis Elliott. I mean Guillaume Barre syndrome Travis Federer, sorry. Travis Federick. Uh, Guillaume Barre syndrome is a pretty rare condition. And you know I'm not, I, I'll be the first to say I'm an expert in this condition. This is a, it's an autoimmune disorder disorder that comes on after you get a viral illness. And basically uh, it affects your nerves and your nervous system. So usually it's uh, self remitting, meaning that you'll you'll have it come on and then it'll clear itself up but it can leave lasting effects in your nerves so it can affect your limb function later on and uh you know travis travis frederick could easily be out for for the rest of this year maybe even longer past that that's unfortunate um and you know he's a top center if not the top center in the league uh and that'll definitely be a uh, you know a hampering presence for ezekiel elliott but <clears throat> those are all the injury questions i have i kind of want to move the conversation now more towards the fantasy side and kind of players you guys are favoring and disliking. We've talked a lot about players that we like, so I want to throw the conversation to Adi. Uh, uh, I'm going to throw the conversation to Adi. Who is a who is a running back bust? It doesn't you know, it doesn't have to be particular to the round or or you know their ADP or anything. I just want to know who, in your opinion, is a guy you're not touching. That's running back. Are you guys ready for the sauce? Yes. Sauce. Are you guys are you are you guys ready for this? Are you ready for yes, the sauce? I am ready. I need to hear I need I I need to hear from Usin. Usin, are you ready for the sauce? I'm hungry for the sauce, bro. Todd Gurley is oh my, my fantasy bust of the year. I've gotta hear this. This is the sauce talking. I just see a regression with the Rams organization. How? Hey, this is the sauce. <laughs> I'm just saying, if it, if you wanted, if you wanted, to, if you wanted to hear from somebody else, you want to hear what ESPN and these people want to put down your throat, then you can listen to their podcast. Oh my but God. you come here for the sauce. You come here for the sauce. And what I have to say is, I have you know spent the summer in LA, and when I was there. Uh, he's an expert. No, but I was, exposed, <laughs> I was exposed to the team more un, unwillingly. You know what I mean? Like people talking about them. It's in the local news. It's like, the, you know what I'm saying? Like just being exposed to 
like for example, being here, I'm exposed to like everyone in this entire city thinks Saquon's gonna be LeBron James in football. So anyway, so in LA, I don't know. Like I just kind of got like curious on the whole uh, Chargers Ram situation. Followed both of those teams a little bit. Uh, R.I.P. to our boy Kitten, the biggest Chargers fan. Moment of silence, Chargers fan. And uh, <laughs> moment anyway, so uh, Todd Gurley. I just I so the way I looked at it was one i felt like they i identified them as a team if let's just say i were to gamble but i don't obviously because it's illegal still <laughs> but if i were to gamble i like to identify teams that i feel are going to regress and the team i felt most likely to regress was the los angeles rams i'm still not a complete believer in jared goff i do agree that their 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 coaching staff uh, is certainly good, but it reminds me a lot. And, you know, people, you may laugh, but there was a time where Josh McDaniel was considered the young, you know, basically what the Rams coach is now, right? And it, Josh McDaniel suffered from a regression of expectation. And I just, I don't know, like, I, do, am I saying this with any, like, you know, tangible like, you know, inside scoops that I may have that no one else has? No, but I, you know, followed football for a while, and I just feel like the Rams are due for regression, and therefore, with it, Todd Gurley. Because bear in mind, Todd Gurley's ranked number one right now. Uno, primero, the prima running back of the entire NFL. And if if it's very hard for me to envision if the Rams have a 7-9 and nine or an 8-8 eight and eight season that Todd Gurley would have had a you know, a number one season and them having that record. So basically just tying the two things together. I never was that. I, I feel like Todd Gurley's another injury away. I don't think that they're, I don't have like that much faith in their offensive line. And uh, yeah. So my, I guess you can say my sauce, my bold prediction is that Todd Gurley will not be like, he will not be, this is what I'm going to put into the books. He's not going to be a first round running back value. By the end you don't think he's going to be an RB one. No, not an RB one, a first round like meaning like he's not going to be in the top ten to eleven players. In Which is okay. Okay, you see what I'm saying. Yeah. Like so, I mean, we should, I just I we should kind of distinguish that, a little bit for our viewers who are our one viewer who is listening. When we say an RB one, I think in my head that means a top twelve running back. Um, Okay, sorry. That's exactly that's what that is. No, no, I, I, yeah, no, no. I thought. I, sorry, I, I see what you're saying. That well, my my assumption is that you may draft wide. Well, he said around one backs, running right? back. So, so that you're a top twelve player. Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. I meant. But what I meant by like top twelve running back, meaning doesn't necessarily mean the top twelve picks in the draft. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so uh, for usually he may be like the seventh or eighth best running back. I but that still makes him RB one. Well, I mean, that's up to – I mean, I don't know what your – like, I, I guess however we want to define RB1. My, my simple statement is that when you look at the overall top 10 fantasy players at the end of the season, he will not be there. Whether that's RB1 or not, I don't know. I'm just saying he's not going to be top so 10. So let, uh, let me ask you this. Let me read off his stats, and then I'll ask you this question. So Todd Gurley last year, 15 games, 279 attempts, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns. Receiving, he had 87 targets, 64 receptions, 788 yards, six touchdowns. Um, I think he was the top top fantasy player at 323.3 points. Um, 
where in those stats do you see the regression? Either in receiving, where he had 788 yards, 64 catches, 6 touchdowns, or in rushing, 1,300 yards, 13 touchdowns? I, 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 <clears throat> when I say that he's going to regress, I think it's actually going to be an overall regression because A, he'll either be injured, or B, they'll be out of contention, or C, defenses will be able to cue in on him more. So I definitely would say that... For example, his carries would go down. I could see his yards per uh, carry staying the same. But I can see his overall attempts going down. I can see his overall catches going down, his overall touchdowns, and his overall yards, both in receiving and rushing, going down. But again, like I'm not trying to say this like as much as an indictment on Todd Gurley. My opinion is predicated on like my... I have a pretty strong belief that the Rams are not going to be what everyone expects them to be. And I can totally see them becoming a seven and nine or eight and 18. All right. And Asa, I want to throw it, throw the same question to you, but I want you to add in an element, um, which player from, I guess, an injury standpoint, uh, which running back from an injury standpoint, are you concerned about? Um, and if there are none then just pick one year you think is going to bust. Hmm. I, the injury injury questions are tough because you don't see top running backs with major injury issues. Um, I think maybe outside of the injury, maybe uh, just because of his team, I think LaShawn McCoy is not uh, – shouldn't be drafted as high as he's going. Uh, I think if he is, his offensive line is really bad and the Bills are probably not going to be and a very good team this year. he's also facing legal uh, I don't have any uh, – like domestic abuse charge. Which, right. I mean, that's not <laughs> sit well with anybody, so – Right, but yeah, go ahead. Um, I, as far big, as as far big, as big big shocker there, as far as injuries goes, I'm I'm not concerned about David Johnson's injury. I'm not concerned about Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette. Um, I think they're I think they're going to be just fine in, uh, with regards to their past injuries. One one player I'm looking to boom a little bit would be Jordan Howard of the Bears. I think he's always been sort of underrated, uh, especially last year. He put up pretty pretty decent numbers. I think. Jordan Howard is a great pick this year for the value that he's going so at as test, ADP. Let me test your Jordan Howard theory. And, and, you know, both of us as Bears fans, we have strong opinions about Jordan Howard. Uh, you know he has stone hands, right? And for running back ones, yep. uh, generally to, to return value, you have to be a pretty good receiver. I mean, Jordan Howard's returned value uh, in the past years, but that's basically because we've been running it, the ball, you know, every play. Uh so are you concerned about lack of receiving or do you think uh, the camp reports are true and that he's going to be better this year? I think both. Uh, well, I think, I think the second part is definitely true. I think he's put in the work. Um, I don't think he's going to have as many opportunities to catch the ball in Nagy's offense because I think a lot of these touches are going to be going to Tariq Cohen, um, maybe even Anthony Miller in the slot. Uh, I don't think Jordan Howard's going to be relied on to catch the ball. So I think he's going to get um, pretty much most of the – the running back touches. I think Tariq Cohen is going to be intriguing in how they use him, and I'm still not exactly sure how they're going to use him. Uh, John Fox seemed to use him pretty evenly in the receiving game and the the running game, but I think you're going to see Jordan Howard mostly in the running game and Tariq Cohen kind of uh, flex out in um, more of a ca- pass catching role. But uh, I no, I'm not, I'm not too concerned about Jordan Howard. He's been able to put up uh, significant numbers and really good fantasy uh, numbers without being able to catch the ball in the past two years. So any improvement that he has is, is uh, icing on the cake. 
And as Usad was alluding to uh, in his bust, LaShawn McCoy, um, for our viewers who don't know, um, was accused of domestic violence on Instagram by his ex-girlfriend. Domestic violence and animal abuse. Um, and I wanted to get your opinion on this, Adi. Uh, a suspension is definitely coming, right? I mean, that's why most people have him uh, not in their first round running backs. Um, on top of what us had talked about, not having a really great quarterback or an offensive line or an offense at all or a team at all, really. So, but Adi, a suspension is coming, right? Definitely. There needs to be a suspension coming. But I think the greater issue here is not just a suspension. I think it's the fact that the fantasy implications here are that LaShawn McCoy is being drafted too high because people are underselling the suspension. But more importantly, the Bills have one of the most atrocious offensive lines in football. And they have, you know, the second coming of Tom Brady and Josh Allen as a rookie quarterback. Uh, they're in a division where they can't win the division, and we all know it. I just... Uh, Everything about LaShawn McCoy to me is like sell, sell, sell. And I'm seeing that he's still getting drafted in some cases into the second and third rounds. And I'm just like, what are people thinking? So uh, the fantasy implication is this man's getting suspended. His line sucks. His rookie has a potential to be one of the worst rookies ever. But you never know. I'm hoping, you know, you never want a player to be bad. So I'm hoping he's good. But it's just the whole situation does not seem good for LaShawn. And he would definitely be one of my red flags. Stay away from players. Sure. Um, let's move on now to a, a more positive uh, part of our podcast. And I know you guys love making preseason predictions that are going to, you know, go on throughout the entire season. Um, and we're kind of stealing this idea a little bit from the fantasy footballers, but I mean, not really. It's, it's kind of just a general, very easy idea. But right now we are going to make a preseason prediction about a running back that we are – a running back. It has to be a running back uh, since we're talking about running backs um, that we are certain is going to be a boom this year, regardless of ADP, regardless of everything. Um, and don't say like Le'Veon or Todd Gurley because those are done. Uh, but I'll start sure, with uh, uh, I'll start with Asad if you want because I gave Adi. Uh... Um, I think you know mine. I just said mine, Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard. Okay. Well, mine, mine for sure is my man, the new immortal Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead. Now that is a lot of uh, that's like your fantasy analyst's favorite football player. Uh, so give us your take on Rex Burkhead. And the Patriots backfield is always super interesting. I mean, and it always produces it produces points for sure. It's just hard to figure out who's going to produce points. So why are you confident Absolutely. Rex Burkhead is that guy? Well, because you know what the problem. Okay, so as the the Patriots running attack is usually a three-headed attack, okay? They get a power runner, they get like a normal, more traditional running back, and then they have their shifty, uh, you know, undersized guy who runs that Texas route to perfection. You know what I'm talking about? And the thing with Rex Burkett is he actually has surprising power for his size. Uh, surprise, he just basically is like almost like a five-tool player. But he's just, the problem with him is he's small. And so I think what a lot of fantasy experts, and I do put those in air quotes, uh, why they 
uh, like Rex Burkhead is simply because that if you can fulfill that role and stay healthy, you're guaranteed to get nine to ten touchdowns minimum. Um, for rushing, six passing, however it comes. Second of all, if Tom Brady develops that trust with him, which we all, you know, which all indications coming out of camp is that it's even better than imagined, he's going to use him. He's going to use him a lot. We've seen him do it for 15 years. Tom Brady is the single greatest short to mid-range passer maybe in the history of football. And uh, Rex Burkhead is that guy that sneaks into those zones, into those pockets, and it's it's he's going to eat. He's going to eat a lot. However, the, I definitely see an injury probably potentially derailing him. If it wasn't for my injury concern for him, I would pro- I would have him even higher than he's going right now. So I, I just think that it's a it's a basis of people who have known the New Orleans uh, New Orleans sorry New England Patriots offense historically the type of players that succeed in that offense Rex Burkhead is literally just checks every single one of those boxes and in the world where of fantasy sports where there's so many ups and downs lefts and rights one of the most guaranteed few precious guaranteed things we have is a New England Patriots offense and their ability to put points on the board. So I think that's why everyone is just in love with Rex. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, take him uh, take him high uh, if you want and listen to Avi. My, my preseason prediction, and it's kind of hard looking at the running backs. I'm kind of struggling a little bit. Um, my first thought initially was – Saquon Barkley, but we've already talked about him. I do think he has running back one potential. And then I moved on to uh, a good charger. A lot, you know, shout out to Kathan, Melvin Gordon. But I'm a little worried about his yards per carry. So I'm actually going to settle on a, on a really bold prediction. I think, Are you bringing the sauce? Are you bringing the sauce? I'm bringing the sauce. I think... Jamal Williams, Green Bay Packers, top 15 running back. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And I think he might justify a round two pick. Wow. Um, I mean, I can, he certainly – his stock – I've seen his stock has been definitely rising. Jamal Williams uh, from week nine to week 17 was number six running back uh, in the league last year. You know, he's Aaron Jones has had injury history. Um, the Green Bay Packers really don't have an offense. I mean, they have an offense, obviously, but, like, they don't have s- skill players, really, outside of Devontae Adam and Randall Cobb. Um, I mean, Ty Montgomery is too small, really, to be running back, uh, and he's had injury history his, uh, issues. I think the Green Bay Packers are really going to trust Jamal Williams and hand him the ball. Uh and with Aaron Rodgers and just how deadly he is as a passer, it always opens up running lanes for um, the running backs. It's always like similar to the Patriots. It's always just a matter of, uh, you know, who is actually going to get the touch. And they've never had a really good running back uh, in Green Bay. And I think Jamal Williams might actually um, do something this year. Well, uh, how, about, how about this? The, I have a question for you, Amon. Where, where do you think, out of the running backs, where do you think he's being drafted right now? Like, what, what, what position? I mean, what, what number within the running backs? Like, I, uh, I think his ADP is like 35 or something. Like, he's a 35th running back. Um, yeah, he's a thir- 31st running back. It's ridiculous, in my opinion. <laughs> he's a yeah. sixth round overall, 31st running back. I mean, I, I, 
Yes, I agree with you totally. I think that that's two to three rounds underneath where he needs to be drafted. Yeah. The upside is way too high. The upside is way too high. I agree. Uh, and he he's although he wasn't a rookie, kind of reminds me of Kareem Hunt a little bit last year where um, – you know, he was kind of put in this, like, back odd backfield situation, but eventually emerged as the premier running back, and I think they're going to feed him, and he, he's probably going to get some scores, and he's he's just going to get these random... I, I just have a feeling he's going to get some really random big games for the Packers, just like how they always have one guy, you know, have two touchdowns every game or something like that, so... Um, but that is my guy, Jamal Williams, um, and I think that is our podcast for today. Uh, thank you again for Dr. Asad Khalid and Aditya Patel for joining me as always. Do you guys have any uh, final words before we... Um... Yeah, I just wanted to say a couple things. One, uh, Ed Oliver for Heisman. Two, uh, I wanna, I'm very curious. My two most intriguing players that I'm following is uh, a, a, the native Houston boys, Andrew Luck and Josh Gordon. I think those two guys have such intriguing seasons coming up that it's just going to be really fun to watch. And uh, I hope them. They, I hope Andrew Luck is finally more, healthy. I'm... More to come, more to come. We're going to get into those players, Ali. Uh, don't jump the gun, you know. We got we got wide receiver rankings coming out. We got cornerback, you know, talk coming out. We got a lot of stuff to get on. Asa, do you have any final words? Um, uh, not really. Sorry, I'm kind of boring. <laughs> All right, and with that, our doctor is boring. And uh, again, I, again, I gotta uh, again plug in our social media and stuff. So subscribe and give us a five star review on any of uh, your favorite podcasting app, including the Apple Podcast, Stitcher. Um, I don't know if we're on Overcast or Spotify yet, but those are coming up. What else are we on? I said we're on uh, the it's Android Google one. Play, but Google Play is kind of buggy. Um, iTunes mainly. Yeah, and, uh, and give us those uh, five-star reviews and subscribe and give us some comments, ask us some questions, make fun of us, do whatever you want. Uh, we just kind of really want ratings and five-star reviews so we can get up in those podcast rankings. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we're going to have snippets and other media coming out soon. Um, that's Our handle is at Jocks and Docs, J-O-C-S-A-N-D-D-O-C-S. Um, and we have a website out, but no articles coming out, so hopefully uh, we'll – start posting that i think adi recently talked to our our uh our homies at fantasy pros where we wrote for a few weeks uh, a few years ago um and i think we're gonna start those articles back up soon uh yeah so check, so check those out um they're probably going to be more injury based so they're going to be more uh fantasy helpful more fantasy relevant as opposed to like our actual opinions or thoughts um and those are going <laughs> to be Mostly Usa than Usa's writing, so check those out if you really need some good fantasy injury uh, advice and fantasy injury news. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, and peace. Peace. Peace.